following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. I have some very good Friday news for you. Okay. We now have a date set for Mel Brooks' History of the World Part 2 turning up on Hulu. Oh, wow. See, nearly almost 50 years in the making. the, The running gag has been exactly that. How I never I never have timed out the end of History of the World Part One, where they do the full on tease for History of the World Part Two. Right. That was part of the gag. There never was meant to be History of the World Part Two. But Mel Brooks has decided, and it has finally been put together, and it will be on Hulu. A four episode run for history of the world part two it hits hulu on march 6th oh wow that's soon did you figure you'd see this before Spaceballs 2 i don't know what to expect anymore <laughs> how old is mel brooks now 92 wow i believe um yeah which is part of what makes it actually rather humorous that right we now have uh, history of the world he's 96 oh 96 <laughs> that wow. he is yeah yeah i mean good for him though that's awesome i mean and looking more and more like his yoda counterpart yeah. from Spaceballs. every no, listen mel, yeah, yeah, mel is an american legend i know i shouldn't go there but it, this is going to be hilarious I I just have this uh, the, this feel, including Hitler on ice. I mean, that right. just, yeah. Was the last thing like he was involved with was the producer's musical, the movie version of that? Was that the last? I believe that that's right. One? Yeah, I think I think that that's probably right. Having not dug into it all that far, but I would say yes. Uh, duh, duh, let's see here. Yeah, come on, Wikipedia, help me out here. (laughs) (laughs) 2001 would have been the producers, the original Broadway recording. Right. And so, yeah, that that's probably about right is that uh, he has and especially because, you know, uh, and Bancroft passed away. uh, And and in 2010, he said, and this is so right credited her as the guiding force behind his development or uh, in his involvement in developing the producers and young Frankenstein for musical theater. Wow. So she was funny in her own right. Oh, of course. Yeah. And just to even try to keep up with him had to, had to be a challenge in and of itself. I wonder what Mel Brooks just feels like he has to prove making a new history of the world but i don't think that it's having anything to prove i think it's just an opportunity to have get fun have, have fun and get some more ideas out of his head right because it's been such a long time because it's like he never had to do anything ever again but now he's like you know deciding to factor in on this which is cool unbelievable that we actually will see this come to fruition one of the longest running jokes of all time 
is actually going to become a reality rather than a joke. You don't think after he passes, they're going to try dredging up, you know, some kind of spinoff or revival of any of his other properties? Oh, man. That's definitely a, something that would happen. Oh. The flaw is, is that so many of his properties push the edge that I don't know that you could get by with it nowadays. We know that Blazing Saddles would have to be dramatically right. altered right, for it to ever see the light of day. But I'm saying maybe there would be like a 2030 version of Blazing Saddles that would like totally be different. And everyone would hate it. <laughs> well, yes, everyone would. And I think that that may be the thing that probably keeps anyone from wanting to touch any of Mel Brooks's stuff at that right. point. Right. Because they know full well they can't do it without essentially signing their own death warrant as it pertains to their career. Well, I mean, they did it with Vacation. They did it with Ghostbusters. Yeah. Well, okay. Um, Both Harold Ramis productions. Depends on which Ghostbusters you want to talk about. Right. Uh, version of Ghostbusters. I mean, Ghostbusters, what is it? Legacy? Uh, there was the 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 2016 one which was just called Ghostbusters right. and then but there's the, the, the recent one Answer the Call or something I think it's called uh, No it it was but the point being um Afterlife that's Afterlife it. Ghostbusters Afterlife The point being there is that you're talking about Ramus's kid uh right. producing that as opposed to uh the Ghostbusters remake with Melissa McCarthy at right. all being an attempt at a spinoff that just did not go anywhere. Yes. Um, so that said, uh, you know, it, Afterlife at least it was done in a way that uh, it was intended to be uh, touching on the familial traits. There was no way that that you would have a case where uh, where it was not going to be true to the original. Right. I think that's the biggest flaw with that movie because the whole point of the original Ghostbusters is that it's supposed to be kind of like this schlubby comedy. Yes. And then now it's After this, Life turned a bit dramatic in yeah, comparison. <laughs> yeah. A little mushy and yeah. sensitive. Well, yeah, I would agree with that. And now you've got essentially Afterlife 2 coming up. Right. Still. So... It, and honestly, you know, I, I look at that. I look at that, and I really think, in part, that as much as anything, beside it being a play on Ghostbusters, it was also a play on the Stranger Things trend. Oh, of course, that's yeah. Why the uh, Finn Wolfhard was in it too, mm -hmm. tying into that whole crowd and that whole scene makes sense. But, yeah, I mean, it did well financially, so obviously somebody liked it. But the only person that that again, I feel like could do anything Mel Brooks wise in the near future and have it be accepted at all is going to be max. Right. Right. And yeah. while I don't know that he's got the style to be able to pull that off. Yeah. It's, it's a hard thing to kind of recapture, especially with a lot of modern comedy. It's just not really the same. Even I think the two thousands had a lot of great comedy movies, but this, you know, so far this decade and some of the 2010 stuff just, is it my favorite anyways? One of the movies that came out, and the other thing about this, and, and it's part of a wholesale discussion that is going on in the world of 
movies at this point and in the entertainment world and i know this is supposed to be a sports show and we've gotten <laughs> it's friday after, it's, it's friday afternoon mitch by the way is on his way over to topeka we will be checking in with him once he gets set up as uh, he'll deliver mitch palm next hour for us as right. we've got uh, the cats in tcu coming up tomorrow afternoon uh here on k-man and yes i've got some things to dig into on the sports front but it it just Right away in the in the Twitter timeline, Mel Brooks's ad for History of the World Part Two got my attention. Something that has happened in terms of movies that has brought on a discussion. Did you know that there was a Fletch movie that came out this year? No. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. For those of us of the certain vintage that I am. We remember the Chevy Chase Fletch movies. I, I watched them growing up, too. Especially the original. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Six, 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 nine with the afro. Your kind of guy. <laughs> you, you, you've seen that clip, haven't you? Yes. Okay, of thank you. Yes. Okay, so is Chevy Chase in this new Fletch no. movie? So who's Fletch? John Hamm. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Confess Fletch was the name of it. John Hamm, John Slattery as his boss. Uh, you had Marsha Gay Harden in it. Uh, it had a foreign flair to it in that he spent time overseas involved in the timeline for this one. Hmm. But it tanked. Because it barely got any play in the theaters. And where did it where is it streaming on anything currently? Uh, I'm not sure about the streaming part. I haven't had a chance to dig into that. Rolling Stone summed this up beautifully. Here we go. Oh, you, yes. OK. It can be rented digitally or online. Mm. It made its theater theatrical debut September 16th. But you basically. I don't think it even came to our theater. <laughs> yep, that's what I'm getting at. Uh, Prime Video has it, so okay. I could I could go ahead and do that. But think about that. You saw no promotion for it, right? And, and this is what Rolling Stone brought up in this discussion about it because you know they felt that it was really actually a well done continuation of the Fletch series that Chevy Chase did in the 80s. And he, you know, made the made the usual car wash trips doing right. late night TV and all of that in promoting it, but oh wow, that's interesting. You you had no billboards. There were no full page ads for it or even half page ads for it in anything Nothing. That's crazy. Essentially, no promotion whatsoever. There was a L.A. premiere. They did the red carpet thing. <laughs> the comment from Rolling Stone is, we don't know this only because we've seen photographic evidence. <laughs> Although we're not quite convinced this isn't a false flag gala event. So how do you sell that type of a movie in 2023 i don't know and that i is feel like the yeah. audience for that is just so skewed that it's like 
I don't know if it's Thank too you. little too late or <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Like how many people my age really know the Fletch movies really? You know what I mean? And and that's a great point. And that's why it would need much better promotion. Right. It would need much better buzz than what it received. And granted, this this was a a labor of love on the part of John Hamm. He loves the character. Sure. And he loves the movies as they were with Chevy Chase back in the 80s. They were things he grew up on. He likes that comedy. If you haven't been able to tell that just from his appearance in a certain insurance company's TV ads. Yeah, those are pretty good. So, but you don't have, it's, it's not a superhero movie or a hugely romantic movie. Right. Whatsoever. It's something that has a base in books and comedy from the 80s. That's an interesting point. I feel like the last time I genuinely went to see a comedy in the theater, it was that um, Sherlock and Holmes movie. That It was that Will Ferrell movie. Right. It was absolutely horrible, and I walked out of it because I was so annoyed. <laughs> but even with stuff like that doesn't really come out anymore. Like that Will Ferrell movie that just came out recently went on um, Apple... Apple Plus or whatever with Ryan Reynolds, that new, I think it was called Spirited. Mm -hmm. Like, that would be a big hit in the movie theater, I think, but they just make it go straight to streaming. It's interesting. The comment from from this article on Rolling Stone that that is so right uh, noted that 10 to 12 years ago, Confess Fletch would have opened in the middle of the summer or been counter-programmed for the season's dog days. Mm. It would have had support from the film studio six years ago maybe it would have been pitched more as an hbo show a limited series on amazon or something on netflix now it just exists it's another case of the studios like we don't really know what to do with it we're not going to promote it we're going to put it out for a week in the theater and it'll go straight to streaming and that is the flaw where at this point you don't have a a slot for something like that right anymore in the marketplace when it comes to movies i think there's definitely still a market for it it just depends on who's in it and how it's promoted and everything because people will still go it's just you know certain things make more money but even like recent um superhero movies haven't make been making as much money as like in the past like Wakanda forever did really well but that Black Adam with Dwayne Johnson it didn't make even part of part um, of that though can be argued DC versus Marvel and right. you know in terms of direction and how things are made and that may very well change now with James Gunn being involved with the DC universe yes but even that i mean that's still pandemic times that's still I was going to talk about that last Suicide Squad he did. That was really good, but it didn't make enough money, mostly just because it was still kind of with that weird wave of mm-hmm. movies coming out, but not enough people going and all that jazz. The argument the other day on, on Dan Patrick about Tom Cruise and how Top Gun Maverick essentially, quote unquote, saved theaters in I, this past Spider-Man year. Spider-Man doesn't get enough credit at all. Well, there you go. I also don't think that necessarily it did save theaters. Right. It brought them brought people back to the theaters for a one-off. Are you going back to a theater anytime soon? Huge question mark. 
Well, Avatar, the way of yeah. the water right now, it's almost at $2 billion. So, you know, I don't know. It just depends on the movie, who makes it. Like James Cameron, that's a big name that everyone wants to see what movie he makes, regardless of what it was. Um, I actually had a lot of doubts whether Avatar would do as well as it has, and it's obviously been making a ton of money. So, But there, too, we're also, in both of those cases, what have we brought up? They're remnants of movies redone for or revamped for or playing on nostalgia from the first time you saw them. Right. And that's one interesting thing about the Avatar movie. It's essentially the first movie just kind of retold in a different way. In my opinion, it was still really good. I enjoyed it. But, you know. So that said, I'm looking forward to History of the World Part 2. But no, there, there's not likely to see anybody try to recapture Mel Brooks's comedy in the future as it pertains to movies. I just don't see how you can pull that off. Very difficult. We'll have to see in time. It, oh, boy. <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid to think it, honestly. So uh, Coming back, we'll talk a little about the Big 12 basketball weekend. Also, something that... Mason both of EMA Online brought up last night talking about basketball officiating, and I want to dig into it a little bit as well. The Cats and TCU tomorrow. Mitch Palm coming up in the next hour on the game. Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel making it official this afternoon, as we all kind of knew was going to play out. Skylar Thompson is the guy on Sunday for the Dolphins as they match up with the Buffalo Bills in the NFL playoffs opening round. Two games on tap tomorrow, three on Sunday, and then they'll close on Monday night with the Cowboys and Tampa Bay in the NFC playoffs for the uh, three the uh, three days worth of NFL playoff football. That's part of a weekend that is intriguing on the sports scene. When you take a look at what is in front of us, really the first full weekend where you can say there is no college football. Literally no college football. Because everything is done. It's off the map. The championships are over. It's Kaput. It's the NFL's game now for the remainder of this month and half of February. College basketball at the center of attention now in the college game. This Big 12 weekend sees the three 4-0 teams in action tomorrow at both, uh, rather tomorrow afternoon. K-State at 4-0. At TCU tomorrow afternoon here on K-Man with coverage beginning at noon. TCU going in at 2-2 two and two and really a hard luck 2-2. Two and two. But as you look at the standings, you can say that about any of the teams right now that aren't sitting at 4-0. That they've each had a little bit of hard luck somewhere along the line in their matchups that have resulted in losses. But the big game tomorrow is Iowa State at Kansas. Number two and number 14. The Cyclones at that number 14 spot, and it points up one of the things that happens in football that doesn't happen in basketball. 
when it comes to media. If this game was being contested on the gridiron with these rankings this way, this would be a ABC ESPN broadcast. This would or even a Fox nighttime broadcast. This would be on TV the way that we know it. Linear TV. No, because the basketball schedules get set ahead of time and they don't change the way that football does on a two weeks out basis or even the week out basis. Iowa State at Kansas tomorrow, both 4-0. and But because Iowa State was bad last year, it's an ESPN Plus game because they scheduled it based on last year's records. It's a streaming-only game tomorrow. The two unbeatens in the conference are a streaming-only game tomorrow. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're saddled with Texas Tech at Texas tomorrow night. In K-State and TCU's case, they're on ESPN2 tomorrow afternoon. West Virginia and Oklahoma follow at on ESPN2. Oklahoma State and Baylor are on ESPN2. Texas Tech and Texas, for whatever reason, well, they got the big ESPN tomorrow night. Again, nonsensical. The difference between football scheduling and basketball scheduling. And in this case, it hurts the Big 12 going into this weekend. The conference sent out a tweet a little while ago that should have everybody's attention, though. Because for all of our talk about how tough this conference is this season and where teams sit in the varying rankings, the Ken Palms, the net rankings, all of these different things, if you needed another indication of how tough this conference is, NCAA Stats is out with the top 10 toughest remaining schedules. The top 10 slots are all Big 12 schools. Literally, the Big 12 teams have the top 10 toughest schedules remaining, led by Iowa State. Kansas, West Virginia, Oklahoma. How would you like to be West Virginia at 0-4 and and now have the number three toughest schedule still in front of you? Oklahoma at number four, Texas five, Texas Tech six, Baylor and TCU tied for the seventh toughest still in front of them. K-State comes in at number nine with the toughest schedule still in front of them. Oklahoma State at number 10. That's, of course, built into wins, losses right now and, and what teams have done to date. But still, all 10 Big 12 teams comprise the top 10 toughest schedules remaining in NCAA Division I basketball. Couldn't they change like which channel they put it on based on the demand for the actual game? <sighs> That's where you get into the varying contract details. And given that you already were locked in with, let's see here. Give me a moment. Let me double check that time that that Iowa State KU game starts tomorrow. Believe it is a four o'clock. But that is just off the top of my head. 
Paging down, paging down. I really should have filtered this out, but I keep all the games listed just because I'm a junkie that way. <laughs> uh, let's see, 2 o'clock, 2 o'clock, here's the 3 o'clocks. Tulsa, Wichita State's a streaming game tomorrow if you really want to watch ugly basketball. Uh, Iowa State, Kansas is a 3 o'clock tip tomorrow. So what that is is it falls right in the middle of or right after, would have been right after Iowa State, or excuse me, uh, K-State TCU in terms of carryover. But the flaw is, is that it's also at a point where then you're picking up that West Virginia-Oklahoma game in that time frame. Or no, sorry, Oklahoma State and Baylor game. So then you make that change and you'll have those two schools frustrated and their fan base is upset. Even for the concept that it makes perfect sense. You would think so, but that is the flaw of having these games already on the schedule and having them already in place. Even if they would just go to ESPN News with it would be a, a, a helper. Or ESPNU, but they're so full up in terms of basketball that they're offering tomorrow and the contracts that they have with other conferences that they don't have a slot to put it in. And it also makes sense, I guess, from a money-making standpoint for a demanded oh, game. absolutely. If they go through ESPN Plus, then you have to pay. So absolutely. That makes sense, And, too. and it, it, it wasn't intended. I can assure you it wasn't intended. But this is what happens when the conference sets out what its schedule is, and then the TV guys come through and they make their picks accordingly. This is what played out. Iowa State last year finishing just ahead of K-State in the standings, and someone at ESPN looked at that and said, well, the Cyclones aren't going to be that good, so we don't want that blowout on TV. We'll just go ahead and make that a streaming-only contest. That's painful because everything right now is so topsy-turvy in terms of the Big 12 with the only consistency in terms of from last year to this year being that Kansas is atop the standings. Everything else is flip-flopped, as we have seen with K-State getting out to the 4-0 mark in the conference. Tomorrow's matchup with TCU to be a 1 o'clock tip again. We've got it for you here on K-Man with coverage starting at noon. Mitch joins us next hour from Topeka where he'll be getting ready for Washburn Rule and Manhattan basketball tonight. Girls, boys, doubleheader for you. And he will have Mitch Palm in the next hour ahead of uh, high school basketball coverage here on K-Man tomorrow, or tomorrow afternoon. Again, or high school basketball today. Completely unrelated to the Big 12 topic for a moment. I can't help but laugh at a good friend of mine, a longtime friend of mine, who is a huge Kentucky fan. Happens to be in athletic administration, but not uh, at that level. I'll put it that way. Um, and... He is among the Kentucky fans right now who are wondering if John Calipari hasn't completely worn out his welcome 
Tuesday night, someone at the Kentucky game actually got kicked out for holding a sign that said, please go to Texas, made for Calipari. They got kicked out. Which is kind of excessive, I think. But Yes, but that tells you the kind of the mood around Kentucky basketball right now, both from the fan standpoint and from the standpoint of the university. Here's the, here's the thing that caught my attention today. Kyle Tucker at The Athletic with a story, really a Q&A. But apparently, he and his boss don't even talk anymore. Mitch Barnhart, the athletic director at UK. Apparently, the two, as Tucker put this in The Athletic, no longer have a relationship of any significance. I don't know if you remember late in the summer where the comment was made by football coach Mark Stoops about uh, basically was making a, a crack about it being a football school and Calipari took umbrage to it because they can't get a practice facility. Turns out that there's something to this in terms of Calipari's frustration. In that, apparently Barnhart, the athletic director, won't even talk to him about ideas for a practice facility. And supposedly Calipari has the money already lined up from former players in the program that would pay for the facility and that wouldn't need any further input from the athletic department in terms of finances. That it could all be handled on a donation basis from guys that have played in the NBA, especially. But Barnhart won't even talk to him about it. According to Kyle Tucker, Calipari has already secured pledges of about $30 million in private funding. But Barnhart refuses to let him proceed. He has balked at any request by Calipari to add support staff for basketball while handing the football program a blank check. Yeah, that's not going to end well. That is not going to end well. That, ladies and gentlemen, is called an estranged relationship. Coming back, we talk a little bit about college slash pro, yes, maybe even a little high school officiating when we continue on the game. Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel making it official this afternoon, as we all kind of knew was going to play out. Skylar Thompson is the guy on Sunday for the Dolphins as they match up with the Buffalo Bills in the NFL playoffs opening round. Two games on tap tomorrow, three on Sunday, and then they'll close on Monday night with the Cowboys and Tampa Bay in the NFC playoffs for the uh, three the uh, three days worth of NFL playoff football. That's part of a weekend that is intriguing on the sports scene. When you take a look at what is in front of us, really the first full weekend where you can say there is no college football. Literally no college football. Because everything is done. It's off the map. The championships are over. It's Kaput. It's the NFL's game now for the remainder of this month 
and half of February. College basketball at the center of attention now in the college game. This Big 12 weekend sees the three 4-0 teams in action tomorrow at both, uh, rather tomorrow afternoon. K-State at 4-0 at TCU tomorrow afternoon here on K-Man with coverage beginning at noon. TCU going in at 2-2 and and really a hard luck 2-2. and But as you look at the standings, you can say that about any of the teams right now that aren't sitting at 4-0, that they've each had a little bit of hard luck somewhere along the line in their matchups that have resulted in losses. But the big game tomorrow is Iowa State at Kansas. Number two and number 14. The Cyclones at that number 14 spot. And it points up one of the things that happens in football that doesn't happen in basketball when it comes to media. If this game was being contested On the gridiron, with these rankings this way, this would be a ABC ESPN broadcast. This would, or even a Fox nighttime broadcast. This would be on TV the way that we know it, linear TV. No, because the basketball schedules get set ahead of time. And they don't change the way that football does on a two-weeks-out basis or even the week-out basis. Iowa State at Kansas tomorrow, both 4-0. and But because Iowa State was bad last year, it's an ESPN Plus game because they scheduled it based on last year's records. It's a streaming-only game tomorrow. The two unbeatens in the conference are a streaming-only game tomorrow. (laughs) Meanwhile, we're saddled with Texas Tech at Texas tomorrow night. In K-State and TCU's case, they're on ESPN2 tomorrow afternoon. West Virginia and Oklahoma follow on ESPN2. Oklahoma State and Baylor are on ESPN2. Texas Tech and Texas, for whatever reason, well, they got the big ESPN tomorrow night. Again, nonsensical. The difference between football scheduling and basketball scheduling. And in this case, it hurts the Big 12 going into this weekend. The conference sent out a tweet a little while ago that should have everybody's attention, though. Because for all of our talk about how tough this conference is this season and where teams sit in the varying rankings, the Ken Palms, the net rankings, all of these different things, if you needed another indication of how tough this conference is, NCAA Stats is out with the top 10 toughest remaining schedules. The top 10 slots are all Big 12 schools. Literally, the Big 12 teams have the top 10 toughest schedules remaining, led by Iowa State. Kansas 
West Virginia, Oklahoma. How would you like to be West Virginia at 0-4 and, and now have the number three toughest schedule still in front of you? Oklahoma at number four, Texas five, Texas Tech six, Baylor and TCU tied for the seventh toughest still in front of them. K-State comes in at number nine with the toughest schedule still in front of them. Oklahoma State at number 10. That's, of course, built into wins, losses right now and, and what teams have done to date. But still, all 10 Big 12 teams comprise the top 10 toughest schedules remaining in NCAA Division I basketball. Couldn't they change like which channel they put it on based on the demand for the actual game? <sighs> That's where you get into the varying contract details and... Given that you already were locked in with, let's see here. Give me a moment. Let me double check that time that that Iowa State KU game starts tomorrow. Believe it is a four o'clock. But that is just off the top of my head. Paging down, paging down. I really should have filtered this out, but I keep all the games listed just because I'm a junkie that way. <laughs> Uh, let's see, 2 o'clock, 2 o'clock, here's the 3 o'clocks. Tulsa, Wichita State's a streaming game tomorrow if you really want to watch ugly basketball. Uh, Iowa State, Kansas is a 3 o'clock tip tomorrow. So what that is is it falls right in the middle of or right after, would have been right after Iowa State, or excuse me, uh, K-State TCU in terms of carryover. But the flaw is, is that it's also at a point where then you're picking up that West Virginia-Oklahoma game in that time frame, or no, sorry, Oklahoma State and Baylor game. So then you make that change, and you'll have those two schools frustrated. And their fan base is upset, even for the concept that it makes perfect sense. You would think so, but that is the flaw of having these games already on the schedule and having them already in place. Even if they would just go to ESPN News with it would be a, a, a helper or ESPNU, but they're so full up in terms of basketball that they're offering tomorrow and the contracts that they have with other conferences that they don't have a slot to put it in. And it also makes sense, I guess, from a money-making standpoint for a demanded oh, game. Absolutely. If they go through ESPN Plus, then you have to pay. So absolutely. That makes sense, too. And, and it, it, it wasn't intended. I can assure you it wasn't intended. But this is what happens when the conference sets out what its schedule is, and then the TV guys come through and they make their picks accordingly. This is what played out. Iowa State last year finishing just ahead of K-State in the standings, and someone at ESPN looked at that and said, well, the Cyclones aren't going to be that good, so we don't want that blowout on TV. We'll just go ahead and make that a streaming-only contest. That's painful because... Everything right now is so topsy-turvy in terms of the Big 12, with the only consistency in terms of from last year to this year being that Kansas is atop the standings. Everything else is flip-flopped. 
as we have seen with K-State getting out to the 4-0 mark in the conference. Tomorrow's matchup with TCU to be a 1 o'clock tip. Again, we've got it for you here on K-Man with coverage starting at noon. Mitch joins us next hour from Topeka where he'll be getting ready for Washburn Rule and Manhattan basketball tonight. Girls, boys, doubleheader for you. And he will have Mitch Palm in the next hour ahead of uh, high school basketball coverage here on K-Man tomorrow or tomorrow afternoon. Again, or high school basketball today. Completely unrelated to the Big 12 topic for a moment. I can't help but laugh at a good friend of mine, a longtime friend of mine, who is a huge Kentucky fan. Happens to be in athletic administration, but not uh, at that level. I'll put it that way. Um, and he is among the Kentucky fans right now who are wondering if John Calipari hasn't completely worn out his welcome. Tuesday night, someone at the Kentucky game actually got kicked out for holding a sign that said, please go to Texas, made for Calipari. They got kicked out. Which is kind of excessive, I think. But Yes, but that tells you the kind of the mood around Kentucky basketball right now both from the fan standpoint and from the standpoint of the university. Here's the, here's the thing that caught my attention today. Kyle Tucker at The Athletic with a story, really a Q&A. But apparently, he and his boss don't even talk anymore. Mitch Barnhart, the athletic director at UK. Apparently... The two, as Tucker put this in The Athletic, no longer have a relationship of any significance. I don't know if you remember late in the summer where the comment was made by football coach Mark Stoops about uh, basically was making a, a crack about it being a football school and Calipari took umbrage to it because they can't get a practice facility. Turns out that there's something to this in terms of Calipari's frustration in that apparently Barnhart, the athletic director, won't even talk to him about ideas for a practice facility. And supposedly Calipari has the money already lined up from former players in the program that would pay for the facility and that wouldn't need any further input from the athletic department in terms of finances. That it could all be handled on a donation basis from guys that have played in the NBA, especially. But Barnhart won't even talk to him about it. According to Kyle Tucker, Calipari has already secured pledges of about $30 million in private funding. But Barnhart refuses to let him proceed. He has balked at any request by Calipari to add support staff for basketball while handing the football program a blank check. Yeah, that's not going to end well. That is not going to end well. That, ladies and gentlemen, is called an estranged relationship. Coming back, we talk a little bit about college slash pro, yes, maybe even a little high school, officiating when we continue on the game. 